Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Astronaut Cycling Podcast, where we basically talk about the topical issues in the world of cycling, three cycling nerds. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Craig himself, Ewan Wilson, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And then, as always, uh, Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling. Uh, a lot of things to discuss. I think I've had the most interesting week, and I'm just being a bit biased. But uh, yeah, how are you guys? I'm doing good. I graduated this week, actually, to, to be fair, I did, got my master's degree, finally signed, sealed and delivered, but yeah, cycling stuff, I told on under, I'm, I'm, I'm dead excited that it was back, it was always a bit, I enjoyed waking up and seeing the result, it felt like it kind of wiped out the anticipation throughout the day in a, in a strange sense, but it always made it quite interesting because over breakfast I could just, you know, watch the highlights video, whatever, of the stage. And yeah, I really enjoyed it and I think it was a, a good addition. I think there was a lot of exciting racing with some new names on the block who have definitely sort of taken a step up and I thought it was a really, a really good race, even if I didn't watch it live. Exactly, that racing is alive and kicking uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. We've uh, had the chance to see some sort of unpredictable results, and also the European calendar is back with a couple of a uh, couple of these um, very forgettable races that we have at the beginning of the year in Spain. Ouch! Um, absolutely shots fired already. Well, I went to the Intermarché Wanty uh, Media Day once again, and um, we might as well hear of an interview that Patrick should have done, but I did it instead. Here's Francesco Busato. You're one of their kind of, yeah, shining stars in terms of their development team. So how was it as a development rider last year? Uh, last year was a great season, I think. And I didn't expect to to get really nice results, but it was, yeah, it was really good. And for sure it's really, most three of the, of these uh, results are Thanks to the team because of all, all the, the developing system and they really helped me also doing pro races and yeah. I mean, you are Italian and normally the Italian route isn't quite through a Belgian team. So how did that kind of come about? Uh, can you repeat that? The, yeah. So uh, like instead of going to some other Italian continental pro continental team yeah you went to a belgian team yeah uh okay this is like in italy mm, now we don't have really a lot of uh, uh big teams so for sure we have to move abroad and here we have really a nice environment to grow so uh, this is one of the uh, one of the wait, I have to find the word. Cons, yeah, yeah, <laughs> positives maybe. Yeah, of of this team. So, so with with my my agent, we decided to go here. And at the end, it was a, a good uh, a good a good thing, no. I mean, we might as well touch on it. Liège, Bastille, Liège, under 23, your first ever win. What a win. And uh, what was that day for you? Like, it was incredible because I prepared it uh, um, 
really, I think with Brad Pitt, good. Um, I went there. I I knew that I was I was strong, but I I just I just did like uh, two days before uh, Flash Bravel Soul, and I was I was also a bit tired, you know, because it was really a tough tough race. But I was there, and I say okay. I try I try to stay to stay always here uh, in the bunch to to don't move too much to save some energies. And then he came to the finish. At, at the end, I was the, the strongest. So I, I really didn't realize it. I said, it's really my first win. So yeah, it was quite a strange, uh, strange emotional, no? um, but it was a nice one. So. Well, what was the year like? Because although you were riding with the development team, you had a few races, like you said, Propuntus Pilot, yeah. you were riding with the senior team. You also had a very good result in the time one day race that I cannot pronounce for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Pino? Uh, Giro della Penina. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, what was that day like as well? Uh, I, I, I raced with the with a, with a pro team quite a lot. Uh, first for get experience and then for prepare the, the main races with the U23 and in Giro della Pinina I came from uh, uh, the week before from uh, uh, Orlina Nation Grand Prix it was with a national uh, U23 team uh, I had good legs because it was just before the Giro U23 and I was there and uh, we were not okay. We were strong riders in the team, but everyone was like uh, two came from from the altitude camp, so they were not 100 percent. And then somebody came from uh, illness, and at the end, me and Louis Mantis were the captains. So it was quite strange. Uh, but at the end, uh, it was a really nice race, and I had really good legs. So. I could get also a good uh, result. I mean, there's a lot of things made out about like how under 23 riders, you can be good in all these different races, but you don't know what rider type you are. Have yeah. you got any feel for what kind of race uh, or type of rider that... What for me, like uh, Arden Classics, maybe, because I like, I like mostly uh, the steep uh, short climbs and I'm also quite good in a small bunch sprint, no? Uh, I'm quite explosive. But I can still really, I think, improve in a, also in middle-length climbs. So I will see, uh, for the moment, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a rather for classics, but I really have to discover me a lot. But looking towards 2024, and I mean, the, the things you've been saying about the team seems like it's perfect, like development team, you get a bit of experience with the with the senior team. So when the jump actually happened, you're not, it's not so overwhelming. Uh, I think it's, it's about uh, all the year, no? Yeah. And for sure, last year at this moment, I, I wasn't the rider that I'm now. And doing a lot of races with the pros and and doing uh, training camps for sure helped me to to make the step. 
Um, I'm sure that the next year, at this point, I, I will not be the rider that I'm now. Yeah, which obviously would be. Yeah. I see. In terms of 2024, what's kind of your race calendar and what's your goals, ambitions here in your Neo Pro season? The okay, the main races will be like uh, Catalonia, uh, Rabals, uh, Austel, Flash Valor, uh, Romandy, Switzerland, then also Poland, Canada. Most probably will be also in a UTMB3 World Championship. Um, I will do also Lombardy, so I have quite big races where I can I can really learn and improve for sure I, I will do a lot of uh, fatigue no yeah <laughs> it sounds but, like already fatigue less thing to yeah <laughs> uh, but I, I need it because if you want to 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 make stronger your your engine you you for sure you need to, to do these races because Tour de France is for sure more uh, intensive. So, yeah, the team the team really helped me to do it, and they've done, I think, for me a really good calendar. Uh, for the first year, is is already good because at the end, I don't know, I, I don't do uh, big uh, stage races, so. Yeah, this year, this year is more for, for improve now, for improve myself. So if there's one race that you would, would like to win, which race are you looking towards? Like, I mean, in any any race. Mm. Uh, okay, maybe not uh, soon, but it's my big dream to, to win the World Championship. Um, races I really like, also Strade Bianche and... Uh, Around the Van Vlaanderen, so a lot of classics. <laughs> yeah, but okay, it's like a big dream, no? Yeah, but you have to, you have yeah. to aim for something. Yeah, of course. But and uh, finally, in terms of when you were young, who was kind of your inspiration as a rider that you were looking towards? Uh, for sure, Peter Sagan. Uh, also for the kind of riders who was and. Uh, Almost the races you said as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> World Championship. And uh, Julien Lafilippe also as well. Um, because they are really aggressive riders you know, in the races. They make really a lot of... Uh, they, they are spectacular, no? And also, also funny you know, to see. But really, they, they are the kind of riders who... Who makes you emotions, no? When they win, because yeah, they they are not also just strong, but uh, they have really personality. Well, we could sit here and talk all day, Francesco. Very interesting to talk with you, but it's very cold. So uh, yeah, thanks very much for that. We look thank you really forward to seeing what you can do in your Neo Pro. I have to. Season. <laughs> I mean, Patrick, as the super fan number one of Francesco Brossato, and I mean, I was quite shocked that Liege, Baston Liege, the under 23 was his first race. But what do you expect of him uh, this year? He was saying the Ardennes is something he really likes. Like, Liege is going to be super hard, but I do think like he's 
I saw he came top 20 at Brabos Appel last year. I feel like that's the sort of race that he'd do well in. I remember him doing well like the Muscat Classic, which was that kind of race before the Tour of Oman. Those sort of hilly races, I'm really expecting him to do quite well in. Or I think he's going to maybe like a Catalonia or something. I think he's quite suited towards those sorts of races. And I think, you know, I'm not expecting like, you know, the, the world from it. I'm not expecting world tour victories here, but I definitely think that he could be dabbling with a bit of leadership and you know, the teams around him. I think that he could be top tening some some tough sprints. I really do believe that he is this kind of lightweight sprinter, kind of like what Alaphilippe was at the very beginning of his career when he was tussling up in the sprints in Tour of California. So I think that he's a very versatile rider and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in 2024. Yeah, I also think with the calendar of the smaller races that you have in Belgium, that Antimarche usually adds, that should give him an opportunity to really go for something. Not many of them have like big meaty finishes, but you've got like the Ronde van Limburg over in the Netherlands, which I think would, would really suit him uh, with these uphill kickers towards the end of, of the route. Even like a sort of um, what's that race called? Le Samin. No. Yes, Lusamin, yeah. which has like, like like an uphill drag all the way to the line, that could really offer uh, Busato a chance to stand out. There's a lot of young talent coming through at the team, and there's a lot of really good sprinters, so it will it, it will sort of take him some time to stand out, particularly when you have more established names like Benim Grimaia, Hedda Vitesen, even maybe Hugo Page, uh, fighting up against him for slots of small classics. It was quite good though, because uh, he's from the Devo team and they're really, really focusing on the development of talent. So quite interesting team as a project. And yeah, spoke to Gover Tyson and Binyam Gamay as well from Australia, which was a bit strange, with a bunch of journalists in the same room and then we were all just facing him. But that'll be on the second day in extra. Uh, this week. Many of you will have seen that this is episode 52 and it's not our birthday. <laughs> uh, we discussed this after the podcast last week. It's actually on the 4th of February, so uh, no cake just now. So 4th of February, that's the date. But uh, we might as well get into the nitty gritty of this episode. If you haven't already as well, uh, help us out by giving us a five-star review over on Spotify. We'd really appreciate that. And here on YouTube as well, subscribe and hit the like button as well. But we'll start with, you talked about the Tour Down Under. We're not going to start there. We're going to start at the World Cup in Benidorm. I was actually there as well. Busy week. Uh, what an event that was. Uh, I mean, Wout Van Aert beating, well, beating uh, Macho Van Poel. I'm not still sure. Did he crash Macho yeah. Van Poel? Yeah. I don't know. It was off camera. He was coming on to the, it wasn't a star finish, but it was like a, a, one of the pit areas. And he just like on a sandy section, just, I don't know, slid out, but nobody saw it. We only saw the aftermath of him on the floor I mean, he must wasn't hurt he got up immediately but yeah it's kind of unknown as to what happened there so van der poel ended up rolling in in fifth place which is his first cyclocross race of the year that he hasn't won he probably would have won it let's face it but he did come down it was an interesting race nonetheless i mean wow if people haven't seen it it's kind of funny in a way i think it was on the last lap he'd attacked michael van torn out and then I went over the the planks, but instead of bunny hopping, he just decided to run them. Very sensible move to be making on the last lap. When he fell off, very Roglic style, Roglic would have done that. 
and then somehow his saddle came loose and then he kind of kicked it off as he was like remounting the bike which meant that Wild Van Aert then spent the last half of a lap sitting just on the seat post I know there's like a little gimbal on top of it which holds the saddle but still that can't have been comfy so kudos to Wout Van Aert for riding the half lap without a saddle because that wouldn't have been a particular pleasant experience i mean in terms of the women's race as well that was a bit more into well no the men's was also entertaining but the women's it was was a one two three four the dutch trio that we've seen so much van empel coming through to take the sprint at the end in front of uh, uh i should have learned that name by now but uh yeah i mean I still have the actual thing from the event, and I haven't been able to get it off with a pair of scissors. So, oh, all right, all right. No, you're definitely lying. Though. You definitely just kept it on. So, you no, I honestly can't get it off. Well, 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 I mean, the funny part with the whole event was that I queued up for a drink, got to the front. It took like half an hour because the all of Belgium and the Netherlands were there. And then uh, when I got there, the system is you have to you have to use this tag to you have to basically credit this tag and then that's your um, money so uh, yeah that was uh, uh, half, half an hour spent badly oh dear it's kind of <laughs> mental that people are out there in benedorm like belgian fans and stuff just like being out there it's just kind of insane it's sun yeah. like you guys in the uk have been having a storm so we've had uh, nice shiny weather so i literally rode in the snow yesterday i was wearing four layers it was not fun we don't know what snow is down here no you don't well talking about snow not tore down under as well as we yes. talked about and uh, yeah what did you guys think of this in the preview show patrick and i we actually discussed even stephen williams would actually win the race and here we are yeah i did say my podium is going to be yates george bennett and then luke platt neither of which finished on a podium which isn't a particularly great start for me but the podium was very unpredictable like if you guessed that fair play i don't think many people would have done it was a very it was a very tall down under sort of uh sort of podium actually and i really i really liked it israel i wasn't really sure who they were going to go with i remember seeing the statistic that the last world tour level stage race that was won by a pro conti team was Matthew van der Poel when he won the Tour of Britain when he was with Corendon Circus, which is like 20. Whoa, 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 whoa. But is this not wrong? My, I'm going to fact check here. Uh, Tour of Britain isn't World Tour. Ah. Um, van der Poel won the Benelux Tour in the COVID yes. year. That was it. Um, 2020. Sorry. Yes, sorry, that was it. Sorry. It's those races in the September period that all just kind of like Beef. don't really matter. <laughs> Benelux, Britain. Benelux, Britain. They don't really matter. It is what it is. Whoa. <laughs> Actually, we were going to touch on that as well. The liquidation. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah, but Sam Wellsford absolutely dominating in the interview with uh, Binyam Gamay. He was just saying how Sam Wellsford was just in peak form. The lead-out train was just on point. And, well, I heard one of the journalists say this, that Danny Van Poppel was a bit annoyed with Sam Bennett because he couldn't hold his wheel. But now he has a sprinter who can 
completely hold his wheel and finish it off as well. Yeah, and after the one of the stages, Danny from Popple um, said in an interview that uh, he was happy to be working with Sam. He described it as, as business almost to be working your way up the sprinting ladder. But that lead up train also with Ryan Mullen was incredibly impressive. Bora Hansgrohe, we believe, are bringing Wellsford to the Giro. What are they going to get out of that race? We know Olaf Koy is making his debut there. Uh, that's two big sprinters making their Giro d'Italia debut. Uh, Walsford, yes, he started last year's Tour de France, but I didn't really feel like we really saw him there. And in terms of the other sprinters coming through, disappointingly for Caleb Ewan, who has historically gone well in this race, we didn't see him at all, really, at this Tour Down Under. And so, I mean, Vermeer as well, really, really good turn of speed towards the end of, uh, of most of those stage finishes, just didn't find himself in the right wheel. I think the thing with Caleb Ewan, which was quite telling, was I think it was the first stage where he was actually, he was on the wheel of Wellsford. He was the guy who won the stage. And when Caleb Ewan just came out of the wheels, like he just didn't go anywhere. Like, respectively, he kind of just went backwards in comparison to the other guys. Vinny, like coming fast around him and stuff like that. So it's not looking great for Caleb Ewan. But I mean, very quickly, just Jacob did have success this week because they got two wins in the Mallorca Challenges. Like Groenewegen took a win. And Michael Matthews took a win. But overall in this tour down under, considering that there was an interview with Plapp saying that they were coming in here to try and win every single stage, they had an awful tour down under as a team which is historically very, very good in this race. What, what did they do wrong? They didn't Plapp crash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Badly. He lost a lot of skin. If you look at the picture from that, it's it's harrowing. But um, I don't really know what they did wrong here. I do think Luke Plapp is an ambitious project. Well, I don't think we've seen enough of Luke Plapp to really say he's bound for a podium at Walter Races. We call me Cat. You already told last year? That's one. But you, yeah, but he's yeah. very young. Like, what yeah. do you want? Do you want to. You already taught us. What's with the Luke Plapp hate? <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not hating on Luke Plough, I'm hating on the UE Tour. The UE Tour would be so much better if every sprint stage was 50 kilometers long rather than 100 and whatever of sound. And what do you make of Oscar Only? Like, none of you have mentioned him yet, winning up Wollonga. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> we were going to get onto that. Please. Please. Of course, this is the first Scottish World Tour win in a disgustingly long amount of time. It's it's a watershed moment for Scottish cycling. It was also like a bit of a surprise. He had good likes this week, evidently. He's still a young guy. It was good to see him get that kind of win. This part of the season usually does throw up somewhat unpredictable results where younger riders shine through. Their bodies aren't sort of in that usual sort of loop of season by season that, that the more seasoned pros have. This is also like early and, and late part of the year. We usually see these younger guys burst through, but I think Oscar only definitely proved himself here. And consolidated a reputation that he garnered a couple of years back uh, when he was challenging Jonas Vingo at the Tour of Croatia. I think it was a course really suited towards only. I think people expect him to be this, or I think he's this really good climber, whereas I consider him to be more of a puncher kind of style. I think that Wollonga Hill is just like perfect kind of style of, of climb for him, but kind of three, four kilometers at 7%. I think he is like super good at that. And it was really interesting to see a different style of Willunga Hill where it's not just one person shooting off. It was, you know, four odd people all fighting it out for victory. Well, honestly, going into 500 meters to go, I had no idea who was going to win. I was like, Alaphilippe made a resurgence. Is he going to do something? Like, who knows? Exactly. Let's let's spare a thought for Alaphilippe, um, who is, is back almost. 
how he was making attacks, looking his sprightly self, intriguing to see where he could go. And just spare a thought for Jonathan Arbaez, who's had a fantastic two weeks. He won the Terium Classic thing they had before the race. Was right up there in a number of stages, finished second overall. Underrated rider, finally gets a strong result like this. It's good to see for him. And Daniel Grenadiers, sort of back in back in business at a World Tour stage race. Do you think he, he only does well in races where it starts with an A? Well, the country, Austria last year, Australia. Maybe you should go to the Tour of Azerbaijan. I would yes. win the Tour of Azerbaijan. <laughs> Yo! Patrick, what's going on? Are you just like trying to slate everything called Wraith that we bring up? Don't worry, we're, we're going to have the Tour Down Under slating session if if you must. Oh, yeah. Isaac Del Toro winning a stage. Quite a sneaky attack and quite tactical. Finishing yeah. third. And yeah, is he the real deal? I'm very apprehensive to draw conclusions. Oh. Context, Tad Bogaccia, same situation. Total Avenir champion. Joining UAE, only finished 13th and no stage wins in the Tour de Under. So obviously, my yeah. girl Toro must be like <laughs> supercharged. So basically like, well, what? Because Pagapsha joined UAE in 2019, is that right? He won the 2018 Tour de So Del Toro, by this logic, is going to at least finish third at this year's Vuelta, basically. He's going to win it. <laughs> He's going to win it, apparently. Um, yeah, I'm apprehensive to draw conclusions because I know he did win that stage. Fair enough. I was actually just talking to my friend about this on our bike ride today. I'm like, people just kind of looked around, and I know his attack was well timed, 500 meters to go. But when I looked at the result and I saw that everyone was on the same time, I thought that he'd won by a sprint, which I would have found somehow more impressive in a way. But his kind of late attack. I just feel like anybody who had a good bit, who had some decent legs at that point and some good tactical nows could have won that. I think that, I don't know, controversial, but he got finished like, what, like eighth at Wollonga Hill. So he always gapped a little bit there. And I think that is very good that he finished in third, but I just, I don't want to like elevate things too much. It's the tour down under. It wasn't like massive mountains and stuff. So maybe, it's, maybe he's more suited towards the longer climbs, but one thing that I will admit is that he provided such an unpredictability to the racing. That Mount Lofty stage where he was just launching it was very reminiscent of Poggy back in the day where he just kind of threw caution to the wind and was just like, I don't care for cycling rules and etiquette. So, you know, just this is what, you're, this is, what is supposed to happen. Uh, it was good to see Del Toro. I do think his youth, youthfulness and enthusiasm perhaps was to his detriment at times. I think he did do. I swear on stage four, he went off the back of a peloton so he yes. could do an effort. And it's that kind of stuff where I'm like, I really like that. But you pro that's probably not the wisest thing. That'll probably get wiped out by UE pretty quickly. Yeah, that was like a really odd thing to do for a world tour rider to be like, oh, I'm bored. I just want to test my legs for tomorrow to go to the back of the group and sprint past a whole peloton. That was really odd. But uh, the stage when he got was incredibly impressive. And, uh, I mean, it's quite refreshing to see, like, a one decade like this jump onto the world tour and start winning straight away. Because usually it's like the like, incubation years for the heights of ruse. But here we had a straight away. That might jump, be his jump on to jump, jump onto the world tour. One of the kids jump up onto the world tour level and um, 
start to win straight, straight away, you usually have to wait for that anticipation and the hype to brew um, and marinate for like a season or two. But with Del Toro, we got it straight away and, um, and that might be to his own detriment because his bar has been set so high. But he seems like a really interesting rider in terms of his his rider style. Everyone's comparing it to Pogacar, understandably. But um, it's also just refreshing to see a Mexican rider right at the top of the world tour. Where is this going to lead to? Because I agree, I thought it was really cool. Is, are we going to be able to build on this and go for some... Is he going to do something else in the season or is this, is this just like it? Like, is he not really going to do much else? Was it just like a good peak in form and other people weren't in quite as good form you know it's hard to tell when you get the tour down under but like when you get to more of a there's more grandiosa that comes from if he got the same finishing in gc but it was in a basque country a terreno a paris just because of the level of competition and the terrain that it goes over but it's very good signs to begin with that he can tussle it over quite punchy terrain which maybe is not his strong point maybe he's better at the longer climbs so it shows that he's very versatile and also just not afraid to attack which i think we can all uh, get on board with because we, we don't want cagey racing that is that's boring and lame we do not want that so del toro is definitely in, in the good books i mean he is in australia so you would think that he is going to be doing the cadell great ocean race as well and yeah. if if we follow what Tad Bogaccia did in his Neo Pro season he went to the Walter Gav he won that race then Sarah Bianchi then GP uh, Miguel Indurain then the Tour of Basque Country then the Tour of California obviously that doesn't exist anymore so if he has a sort of similar calendar like that, maybe they send him to the Tour of Slovenia to win that because they haven't showed how they got to call out his 2024 season yet. Uh, well, they said he's not going to a Grand Tour. I can give you that context. Um, he will not be at the world's most likely. That could change, but they're not expecting him to, to go to Grand Tour. They want to see how he progresses through the year. But um, I'm intrigued to see how he go in like the Italian one-day races at the end of the year, like the kind of ones that Poggy's been doing well at recently and Mark Hishi. Well, he has to compete with Mark Hirschi for, for places there. With that sort of, with that fiery kick that he has, it could be quite uh, useful at those kind of uh, profiles. Or if he gets shipped away to, um, to like, the Mallorca races and these early season races like Valenciana and so forth. Um, right, I don't think, I don't think that'll work. Because it's the jet lag, the timing as mm -hmm. well. True, 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 true. Maybe maybe we have to wait for him to go to the olive oil race in February. Man, that's true. He could definitely he'll definitely go to like a Romandy or something like that. Mm, <laughs> like yeah. the, the um the, the crazy Romandy results do we get? Like if that's screaming Del Toro at me. Yeah. I I I've, who knows? We'll wait and see. Not going to Grand Tour is a little bit like eh, but UE have such a plethora of talent that I can also very much understand that other people probably have priority over their 20 year one 20 year old wonder kid but also the fact that he's 20 is just insane i mean um, stepping up sorry tour of poland that's oh. that's prime weird results. oh yeah that would be a good poland. one I mean, del toro del toro is definitely winning like 
Equal to Bali Barasine. That's what he's winning. Or like Tor of Norway. He could win that. Nah, do you ego that? I don't think they do. But the funny thing is, him being Mexican, every single podium he gets or win is going to most likely be the first ever for Mexico. Yeah, so well, true. I mean, having more countries in the sport is quite cool. But Mexico, by the way, at the moment, um, the federation is not like... Yeah, I was going to Okay, cool. It was so they have a national champion. So um, Mexico don't actually have a current national champion. So even if Del Toro were to sort of win that, we wouldn't even see the jersey in, in the pro peloton. It's kind of a weird situation right now in, in Mexican cycling. Huh, that's a shame. Oh, oh no, he... UAE won't be able to botch another national champs jersey. What a shame! I mean, at the um, at the Benidorm World Cup, they Pissy or whatever they called that weird name. They had a store it's and Pissy. Whatever, I don't care. It's a stupid name. Call it something better. But they had the Tadavagachi kit, and uh, yeah, no, like the Slovenian one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but I have it's seen the flag yeah but like the actually it's I just I just don't like the UAE team Emirates kit but I saw the DSM kit quite close and I, I prefer that and the Intermarché one now seeing it up close makes it nicer I do think the DSM jersey is not as bad as we thought it was to begin with like seeing it being run with is actually a lot nicer than it looks otherwise it does look kind of strange but I think you have to get used to it Um, you know yeah, I agree. It's a weird sensation, you know. After after the first or second, it's like heroin. You know, it feels gross and like uh, the first time, and then you just like try and try again, and it's it's great. Like crack. You living in Glasgow <laughs> talking about this? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Isaac Del Toro. Um... I mean, him being with Tadwagacha, Almeida, all them, and uh, what you had said as well, it doesn't look like a Grand Tour is going to be on the cards anyway because it's all yeah, yeah. I think mm, we need to see what his time trial looks like. UAE, please send him to a stage race with a time trial because we need to really understand that part as well because we haven't really got a gauge on that. So we need to see what his time trial looks like. My interest is going to be, obviously, if you if he's not doing one this year, he'll probably do one next year. But UAE with whether Yates, Pagacha, Ayuso, Almeida, now throw Del Toro in there, plus however many other people they might or might not sign. Where is Del Toro going to fit into this? Is somebody going to get boosted out of UE at the end of this year to make room for this rising star? I think that he's probably going to be good enough where he's going to need some like sole leadership or at least, you know, co-leadership. And I just don't think UE's got the space for that at the moment. Anyways, we might as well move it on. Uh, can't all be about uh, Mexican super talent. In terms of the tour down under as well, I heard this on a Danish podcast. They were saying that should the tour down on it even be a world tour race when you consider it it's all the way on the other side of the world they were saying as well with the timings like patrick said none of the three of us watched a single second live so that's not great for the race obviously any australian listeners viewers can comment down below as well 
But this is basically a debate about this. I mean, I could, I would defend the tour of California being a world tour race. It is called the world tour. So on that front, shouldn't the tour down under be a race? And also for the riders is quite good because they get that long month block where they can train in the heat. Whereas here in Europe, we've had a bit up and down with the weather, but having a world tour race also kind of takes away some of the lesser teams that can't be invited into the race. So I definitely think the points are skewed quite favorable towards the tour down under, which isn't great, but yeah, tour down under should remain a world tour race. That's not a hard one because like you say, it's, it's a world tour. If we get rid of, well, if you got rid of tour down under in Huang Xi, it's just a tour of Europe, basically. It's because every single other stage race up is just in Europe. Yeah, I haven't watched it live. I don't watch Huang Xi live. There's probably quite a lot of fluff that's on the World Tour calendar that probably doesn't need to be there. Like Polonia, that's World Tour. I don't even think you could watch World Live. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't come for the Tour of Poland like this. It wasn't even Don't. on GCM Plus when GCM Plus was a thing. Like, if you had to oh. watch it on YouTube, like, that's not a World Tour level race. If they're just hogging the TV licenses, but you, you can't be doing that. Um, okay, but the Tour of Poland gives us a beautiful sunset finale where you see the riders drenched in beautiful orange light. Um, we have the wall of Budkabina. There's a reason the UCI chose it to kick off the, the UCI World Tour stage racing calendar in 2020. It's a vital part of the World Tour calendar. Jonas Vienkel got his first World Tour win there. It's a fabulous race. I think you've been very naive p- uh, placing Tour of Poland right on the chopping board of the World Tour calendar. It's crucial. It's it's fantastic. This is not a debate about the Tour of Poland. It's a debate about the Santos Tour de Lander. Ever odds for that? I just forgot that you and it's also a World Tour level event and that battle also makes it a World Tour. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't come for the UAE. Don't come for the UAE. I'll defend the UAE Tour. You cannot <laughs> defend the UAE Tour. It is rubbish. It's is uh, rubbish. Who won it last year? I don't care who's won it. Remco Venable. And the third place rider finished third place in the Tour de France. And like you said, it has to be a World Tour. A World Tour. Exactly. For that extent, yeah, you have to kind of keep them. It's the top. I think the tour down under, I think it is a world tour level event. I get that you have to ship everyone out, which isn't great. And the biggest talent doesn't necessarily go there. But the women's, I think, was pathetic, to be honest. You take like so many riders over and then they only have three stages and you could see it as well on the start list. You didn't have the biggest names there from the women's side so it's like make it a five six stage yeah make it bigger make why is it not a week like mm-hmm. it should SD be Workston. a re- week for both of them which i think is a bit weird sd works didn't even go i think they got fined for it but they literally couldn't be bothered sending their talent out there which is a very strong testament to how much people seem to care about the tall down under i like it i think that if it remains you know if basically my argument is if Huang Shi and Romandy and UAE Tour remain World Tour, then the Tour Down Under deserves to be World Tour still as well. I mean, the Tour of Britain back in the Wiggins era was kind of... A lot of English media loved to call it the sick Grand Tour, which was a bit oh, like... It's just not. Well, fourth Grand Tour, not sick. <laughs> that was wishful thinking. Gotcha. The Olympic Grand Tour, it doesn't exist yet. But yeah, 
they were calling Tour Britain the fourth Grand Tour, which I was a bit like, what? But it's not even a world tour race, unfortunately. No, and it should never be, but that's not the, the, the topic of this video. Um, if anything, the Tour of Britain should be kept a million, million miles away from the UCI World Tour calendar. If I was UCI World Tour calendar organizer, I would block their email. I would do a lot to prevent that race from ever reaching that that level. Regardless, the Tour Down Under, um, it has a niche. It's a novelty race, essentially. Like, it's in January. It's the first race of the season. It's in Australia. It's, it happens during the middle of the night. Like, it's the only Walter stage race in, in an Anglophone country. Like, it's kind of, it's just, it's so novelty at this point. And the, the results kind of show that it's a bit of a novelty race. And it, it operates in isolation as well, where it's like, like, it used to be really novelty because it was the only Walter stage race we got until Paris-Nice. Um, like, I think, I think it serves a purpose. Uh, I think it's fine being in the World Tour. And the wait for World Tour races is, is too long otherwise. Otherwise, what, UAE Tour is going to be the big World Tour opening or the opening weekend with the Ola Penusblad? That, that could be fine, but I feel like waiting until sort of February 27th to begin the World Tour calendar is just a bit too long, especially when there's racing here happening all around the globe otherwise. And Australia need to occupy some point in the calendar. It's a big cycling market. They have, they have long ties into the world tour in the past 20 years they've got a lot of big riders it makes a lot of sense and if it, ha if it has to happen in january it has to happen in january you know i think it's fine being being in the world tour there are other i think there are there are races that face more of an identity crisis than the, than the tour and under it is incredibly frustrating the time zone differences but that's just part of it and you know what as you said the world tour needs things all around the world i think we all agree with uh kind of that it should be there. The only the only annoying thing I have with the kind of the Australian scene is the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Race. Why is that a World Tour race? That's a bit annoying, but because uh, it just a bit like the it artificially just came. But I get why when you have so many riders over there, you might as well make the most of it. In the Danish podcast, they said they would rather see the Tour of Langkawi as a World Tour race than the Tour Down Under because of the, like the bigger history in the sport and etc. But that's wrong. Yeah, but the Tour of Langkawi <laughs> kind of serves a purpose as well for the pro continental continental teams as well. There's more of a pro level race. Yeah, but it is frustrating though, like that tours, the San Juan International or the Tour of Colombia, none of those are world tour races. The Tour of California died instantly almost when it became a world tour race. All I'm saying is that we should have a race around Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan. I mean, um, Kazakhstan, uh, yes, because they've got races there. So the tour, what is it, Almaty? <laughs> yeah, I'm the tour of Almaty, huge fan. Um, Let's say go one I again. Love. I was about to say, I love Aleta Litsenko. Anything Aleta Litsenko touches turns to gold. If he could be like the race director there, like waving the flag, designing the route, I'd buy into it. I might send him. I might send him a little message after this. He's in Medellin right now as well, and for the Tour of Colombia, or getting ready oh. for the Tour of Colombia. Well, that's that's good because he's a restraining order on me, so it's good to know he's fine. But anyways, we might as well move to Ineos Grenadiers and uh, David Brailsford. He's going to be leaving the role as team manager to focus more on Manchester United after David. Well, uh, Jim Radcliffe has become 
more involved with Manchester United. This isn't a football podcast, but... This feels like a sort of an end of an era because he was there from 2010 when, when the team was launched. It was really crucial in the 2012-17 Tours de France where they were completely dominant. Even 2013, when they were completely dominant, there he was. He was a very influential figure in in the sport as a whole. And for him to lead the sport, it does, definitely does feel like okay. Well, we can put that to bed now. Richard Plugger is is the new Dave Ralsford. Like, well, and truly, we've known this for a while, but it's like that dynasty is very much over. The new king can be crowned. Do you think this is like in your switching their focus now? Like, they see UAE and Yumbo, and they're like, well, we can't beat them for the next five years. So I also probably think that. Railsford's also just been moved along with with uh, with Ratcliffe in particular. He went he went across to Nice as well after Ratcliffe joined that football club as an owner, not as a, not as a player. And Brailsford was shipped over there to sort of do some work before like returning back to cycling. He took a break for his own health for a while as well. I don't think this is based on Visma and um, and UAE's dominance. I think this is more Ineos's complete sort of uh, just the, the state of play has changed and they're more lucrative plans for Dave Brailsford elsewhere. Manchester United is like probably one of the top 10 leading football clubs in the world with a huge sort of talent pool and potential um, in every sense of the word. So I do understand why he wants to do something new. I think that it's a good, it's a good move. This is, this is a perfect example, ladies and gentlemen, of transferable skills. Dave B has put himself in a prime position for job opportunities here by basically attaching himself to Jim Ratcliffe. Who is basically just going around giving him jobs in places, which is pretty good. I think he is remaining in Ineos in some sort of consultancy role. Everyone loves a consultant nowadays. They're just, you know, a bit of a buzzword. I think it is also quite good for Ineos because there was the whole. I don't think Dave B is a particularly like popular figure. Or his name brings a certain element of, oh, do you remember when Team Sky had that bit of a grey area stuff about whether, you know, whatever through uh, Wiggins's dodgy package, whatever it was, and people were always sceptical about Froome, and they sort of tied that to Dave Brailsford. And I think that getting rid of him is quite a good move for Ineos because it sort of detaches them from that. And it is, like you say, Scott, a bit of a new era. And I think that, yeah, this is Ineos definitely solving like we are not kind of what we were in 2012 or whatever it was, which is a good thing, I think, because I think they're still trying to hang on to that in a way. And I do think they need to just like break free. They need to stop trying to form riders into the new Bradley Wiggins because it's not working. They need to sign Stephen Williams. That's what they need. And I mean, I mean, this kind of feels like the captain leaving a sinking ship. I thought... The captain was supposed to stay on the ship, but he's just kind of no, no, um, not if it's the Costa Concordia. He, he's jumped onto another ship, another sinking ship. By the looks yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, he's gone. Aware of Manchester United in the league? Are they? Near they're, the top? they're not at the top. They're not at the top. Davies um, gets sort that out. There's quite a few points between them and Liverpool right now, who are currently leading. So I mean, you and you, you got quite a lot of comments last week for turning this into a political podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think I did. Come on, that's like, I'd I'd be, I'd be more happy to talk about football than politics. No Lord of the Rings references from Patrick yet, but I mean, um... no, but one person appreciated it, and that's all that matters. Here, here, here. 
One story that you and wanted to talk about, which I completely forgot about until one of you mentioned Tor Britain. What was it, you and that they're going into liquidation or something, the owners or? Um, Sweet Spot who organized the Tour of Britain are going into liquidation. I'm not 100% sure if they're still organizing the race. Um, this is not a great sign for British cycling once more. It's in a bad place, even if a race or organizer, whether they're still involved or not has been put into liquidation the the future of many british races are up in the air we could spend a whole episode this oh, state of british cycling yeah because we care because we care maybe maybe not you and but patrick and i care i i, I care tour series gone whole series is great tour to yorkshire gone i'm i'm not right. sure about that's a great idea sack off the tour of britain because that's obviously an absolute waste of time the roots naff anyway we had however many sprints which are won by coin that we just don't need that i think we sack off the tour of britain and bring back the tour to yorkshire and we're going to build from the ground up once more you know what give me the reins i will design a route in the tour to yorkshire give me four stages right i guarantee you it will be a hit i don't care what the people in the tour of britain sweet whatever hell the hell it is and their liquidation, I guarantee you I would put on a better bike race than they are. But yeah, the liquidation is not it's not great. It basically just means they're just losing control. The race is just going to get worse and worse, which means that the only places the races will go to are to the highest bidders, which are usually places which are further down south, which is not hilly, which is rubbish racing because you just end up with sprints all the time. That's how it that's British geography for you. That that does really suck. The Tour of Britain could be so much more if it went up into actual Scotland, which would be really cool if it went up there. If it was an actual Tour of Britain, an actual Scotland, England, Wales part. Northern Ireland. Yeah, why not even have, like, we had the Ride London Classic, um, where it was sprinting down, like, the mound stuff. Has to have that as, like, your Champs-Élysées. Like, seriously, who is organizing this? Because it feels like their brain has been put in backwards. We could just send the Tour of Britain to all previous overseas territories and just make it properly. Uh, no. You no. just <laughs> start the, around. A tour of the Commonwealth. A tour of the Commonwealth. <laughs> Too much. Yes. And let's <laughs> let's give give every writer a bastard mark of that channel. Let's get... Uh, no, again, 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 again. Again, again let's... Let's let's give every stage winner a, a bust to like a, like a statue of Margaret Thatcher as their stage winning trophy. Um, they'll sing the national anthem four times before going, like b before beginning the stage. Um, yeah, no, yeah, this is like a Black Mirror episode waiting to happen. Anyways, uh, the relief has come in the well in the way of writer of the week and uh, plenty of things to choose from. Tour down under. Tour of Venezuela, I think, as well. And, of course, the World Cyclocross or World Cup in Benidorm. It is actually really hard. For the first time in a while, it's not just, like, a few people. I kind of want to go with something a little bit rogue. And the Mallorca races, of course. I missed that. Up. Yeah. I know. This is crazy. I am going... I'm not going to go rogue. I'm keeping it pretty basic. I'm going to give it to Sam Wellsford for mopping up three of the six stages of the tour down under pretty basic very dominant sprinting 
nobody else really got close. I'm going to go for Isaac Del Toro. Oscar only is too predictable. So Isaac Del Toro it is. He, he's going to be um, sad now, Oscar Oddly. He's going to be like, he was tuning in right out of the week, in the bag, Wollonga Hill, here we go. You it? Uh, no. It's really bad, you if you don't give it to Oscar Oddly. Isaac Del Toro. You're sticking with it. Fine, but you're, <laughs> Bro, not that London. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm gonna go for Isa Del Toro. Wow, that is wow. I... Also, is coming for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. This is low hanging fruit. Also, I live far away from Kelso, so it's fine. <laughs> there, there are like no glass region cyclists. So, like, I'm fine. Well, I was thinking about giving it to Johnson Casado, who won his home race. Wait, no, not home race. Venezuela, not Ecuador. He also got dumped out of the World Tour as well. Yeah, exactly. So, not with the EF education. But I'm not going to... I'm going to give it to Stephen Williams, because I think Israel Permitek winning a World Tour race was quite phenomenal. So, uh, he, he, needs a, he needs a bit more love. Scott, can we just rewind? It's good for Israel Premier Tech to win a race this World Tour. This was his World Tour team just two years ago. Yeah, but they're not World Tour anymore, so it's good for them. They've never won. Well, Daryl Ipi, did he win? No, not while he was here. Not while he was there. Hmm, interesting. On a very serious note, it's a big boost for Israel to get back into the World Tour. This is a, a very, very strong start for them, and it would be very surprising to me if they didn't get back to the World Tour, if they keep on this track. I'm holding out that um, red front. Again, 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 again. again. Harrell wins the Puerto. No. I'm just holding out that rider from Muscatel or Harrell wins the Puerto so we don't see Israel Premier take back at the Puerto level. Okay, I will finish with this. Uh, at the hotel that Intermarché had their team presentation, there were six other teams, which is like... There are more hotels, and um, sorry, podcast listeners, but if you're watching the video on YouTube, you'll see how ridiculous it is. Uh, yeah, that was a weird point to finish. That's basically it for number 52, not our birthday yet, 4th of February, wait for that. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, comment down below as well, we always love the comments. Hit the like button and check us out on Twitter as well. All of that will be in the description down below. And with that, thank you very much for watching. And of course, as always, we will see you next week.